0: أعوذ بالله brothers and sisters inshallah you guys are doing well um, we're here with another episode of the podcast on the tafsir of Dua Kumail um, so we were going through uh, Dua Kumail and we reached these we actually started in the previous episode going through the actual uh, lines of the du'a because the first two episodes were dedicated mostly to the background of why we do du'a and also how Dua kamil has come to uh, be the du'a that we know of uh, today. So when we started out with the uh, the lines of the du'a, the first line spoke of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we explained that there's two types of mercy that God has in this world and we also explain why starting out in the du'a the imam he starts to go through these different uh, attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we said that the idea of praising god and bringing up his different attributes at the beginning of a du'a is actually one of the adab of du'a it's actually one of the manners of du'a and it's something that is recommended uh, for someone to do before they actually get started with the du'a. And we had a, dis- a small discussion about why that is the case. And we were pointing out that it, this idea of remembering God and humbling yourself and remembering how great he is. There's a spiritual growth in it. There's a spiritual benefit in it. And uh, because of that... This is one of the manners of the du'a, one of the adab. And when they say it's one of the adab, that naturally means that there's a better chance of this du'a being accepted when you do it, when you perform a supplication or when you call God after having uh, fulfilled these manners and these adab. So when we say adab, that's really what we're talking about. It means that it gives you a better chance in terms of uh, the du'a being accepted in the way and in the manner that you would like for it to be. Uh, accepted, so we reach this line. The last line we discussed was Wa ala shay. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala by the right of His power and His strength that has uh, that has made Him greater than everything, or that has encompassed everything, and and that has uh, basically mastered everything. And we talked about how this sultan, this power, and this authority plays out in creatures in this world that have free will, and also in creatures that. Don't have free will we said for those of them that don't have free will it will show up uh, very clearly in this world and for those of them that do have free will we said that it will show up in a different way in this world and then more so in the next world and that's where we went through the verses of the Quran uh, just picturing or or portraying this picture of what things are going to look like on the day of judgment in terms of how um, how people are just uh, submitting to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, on that day. And we reach this line, kulli So this is the part that we stopped at in the last episode. So in this next line, Imam Ali, he says, we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the right of his waj, which I'll have to explain what that means, that waj of his that remains after everything else has basically perished. Okay, so what is what exactly is this line saying? So there's a bis- di- discussion amongst like the those people who have written, um, you know, tafsirs on, on this du'a kumil and uh, even amongst the mufassirin of the Qur'an because this is taken from a verse in Surah Al-Rahman um, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of his wajah remaining after everything has perished. So the conclusion that Alama Tabatabai, in particular, comes uh, comes to regarding uh, that verse and uh, by extension this phrase of the dua is that waj basically means a part of something that you uh, approach that thing with. So, in other words, in for normal human beings, when you want to approach somebody, you approach their you know you approach their face, right? Their face is what you approach and you speak to, right? So that's why we call the face the waj. Because that is what is approached, right? So when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course this is a longer discussion. But in a brief manner, his wajh is basically how the things that he manifests of himself. The things that we see of him. That would be the wajh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which in the Islamic belief system would mainly be referring to his different attributes. So the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those things that we see of Him. Of course, the essence of Him, we obviously don't see. It's not comprehensible for the human being. And therefore, that is not what we approach when we want to approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We approach Him in terms of His sifat and His attributes. So this phrase of the dua is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who remains. After everything perishes, but He remains through these sifat and through these attributes. Um, that he has. Okay, moving on to the next line. الَّتِي مَلَأَتْ Oh Allah, I ask you by your names, those names that have malaat that have filled up the arkan, the foundations of everything. So what is this line trying to say? How is Imam Ali? How is Imam Ali asking uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala or calling Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in this line? This line is a very beautiful one, and it takes a little bit of explanation to really understand the depth of what is being said here so we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as I just mentioned he has this essence this essence of his of course is not comprehensible by human beings it's unlimited and a limited being can never encompass or never understand a unlimited being or an unlimited being right so having said that really the way we interact with God or the really the way that God manifests himself to us is his attributes and us having the uh, you know, the blessing of language, we have a name for each one of these attributes, right? So if God creates something, we have a name for that attribute. We call him Al-Khaliq. If he gives sustenance to some, someone or something, we have a name for that. We call that Raziq. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has all these names that are pretty much backed up, each one of them, by one of his attributes. Now what this line and this phrase of the dua is saying is that each These names, in other words, these attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have filled the foundations of different things. What the line is really trying to say is this. Every single creature that you look at, every single creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we look at around us is really uh, a manifestation of one or multiple names of God. Okay, So I'll explain that a little bit more as it sinks in. Every single creature is manifesting, is a mirror for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some creatures might manifest one or two names. Some creatures might manifest multiple names of the names, in other words, attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the dua is saying that this is what makes up the very essence and the very existence of each of these uh, creations and each of these creatures that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. So the result of this is that when you look at the world, right? This phrase is really trying to bring a different perspective to the way that we see things. In other words, the phrase is saying that when you look at the world and you see all these different attributes, these are basically God's attributes being manifested, of course, in a limited manner because every creature that we see around us is limited both in, in terms of the extent of that name and that attribute and also in terms of the numbers of those attributes. So I'll give some examples to just clarify this a little bit better. So for example, when you look at like a bird, right, or a flower, it's manifesting the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Jameel, right? The one who has beauty, right? Or when you look at a mother, for example, right? It might be a human being or it might be from among, you know, mothers from animals, it's manifesting the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that has to do with, like, let's say Rahman and Rahim and kindness, right? Because that's what a mother really, uh, you know, offers and brings to the table. When you look at other animals, like a lion, right, like a beast, he might be manifesting the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that is Muntakim, the one who gets revenge, right, or the one who is Jalil, the one who is, uh, you know, powerful. Right, or so every single every single creature that we look at, every single creation that we look at in the world, is really manifesting one or sometimes more than one of the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So it's kind of like Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has taken, like of course He's the one who has all of these attributes, and He has each one to an unlimited extent. But he sprinkled some of these attributes in different creatures around us. And the result of that is that when we look around us in the world, right? when we look around us in our life, whenever we see someone who has some of these good attributes, even if it's limited, we are supposed to be seeing them as a mirror of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you look at things in that way, it changes your perspective. Why? Because at that point, when you look at these different creatures and creations, really what you see is a compilation of one or multiple names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you now everything becomes a mirror of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you, right? Even if you see a good looking human being, for example, all that good-looking human being is, based on this line of dua kumil, is a human being that is manifesting the name of Jamil. Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look at everything around you, you can break them down. If you look at everything uh, around you, you can really break everything around us down into these individual um, attributes slash characteristics slash names. Right? All of them are made up of these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, like what you could see is a difference between uh, human beings and animals is that human beings can manifest um, usually more of these names than animals can, right? But whether you're a human being or an animal, it doesn't matter. Either way, us, because our existence is limited, even if we can uh, you know, manifest all of these different names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can only do it to a limited uh, extent. And really, that's a difference between a person who is a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is a really really close servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, God Himself because no matter what that servant does as in the case of the Prophets, our Imams all all those uh, individuals no matter what they do even if they can put together um a whole compile a compilation of all of these different attributes of god they can only manifest these attributes to a limit a limited extent whereas with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he can do that to the full extent in the sense of an unlimited extent right but really every the being of every create creature if you break it down it will be broken down into these different names and this is what the Qur'an also tells us. In Surah Al-Hajr, verse 21, we read this as well. There's a famous uh, verse of the Qur'an, this uh, verse 21 from Surah Al-Hajr. And uh, our scholars re- re- reference this verse quite often, actually, in, in different discussions, really. And it comes up here as well. So the verse says, There is nothing, right, nothing in the world... Except that we hold its treasures. We hold the treasure of that thing, like we hold the source of it, and then we send down a little bit of it here and there. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this exactly applies to what we're talking about. He is the source of these names in an unlimited manner, and then he will give a little bit of it to this person, a little bit of it to that person, and he will he will send down a little bit of it here and there this is really what that verse is referring to so to wrap up our understanding on this phrase basically now imam ali is asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oh allah by the rights of all of your names which by the way is what makes up the existence of all of these different creatures all of these different beings that we find around us if you look at things in that way then even if you see a good-looking person, you no longer refer to that good-looking person as that person being good-looking. No, that person is now is walking is a walking mirror, right? He is now a person that's just reflecting one of the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. It will drastically change the way that we look at um, basically the different beings and creatures that we find uh, around us. Alright, moving on, he says the next line is also very beautiful. Oh Allah, I ask you by your knowledge, which ahata which encompasses. Right? Ahata means when you encircle something. When you surround something, they call you muheet. They say you have now uh, become muhit towards that other thing. So he's saying, Ya Allah, I ask you by your knowledge which encircles everything. Now why is he referring to the knowledge of God in this way? When I have knowledge of something, am I really encompassing of that thing? Normally it's not like that for us. Like you have knowledge, you know who your mother is, your father is, your friends are. But it's not like they're part of you. It's not like you are encompassing them. It's a different way that Imam Ali is talking about the uh, knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it relates to the things that he knows, Right? So again, scholars, they open this up a little bit and they tell us that the knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has is different from the knowledge that we have, right? So his knowledge, uh, and this is why Imam Ali is saying his knowledge, it's encompassing of all things. His knowledge is the type of knowledge that is uh, very much it's a, it's a little difficult to explain, but if we wanted to put it in simpler terms, well, let me start out with an example first. So there are times where you know something, right? But the only reason why you know something is because you have a picture of that thing in your mind, right? So like you might know your mother, your father, your dad, you know, your your friend, whatever the case may be, your cousin, right? And when I say, um, you know, you know them, all that means is that you've seen them before. There's a picture of their face in your in your mind, right? So you can you can think about them, right? If I'm if I told you to think about your cousin right now, you could think about your cousin right now. But really what that means is that your cousin isn't there with you. It's just like a picture in your mind of your cousin, right? That's one type of knowledge and normally that's the type of knowledge we're dealing with, but then there is also a second type of knowledge and that second type of knowledge is very different. Second type of knowledge is what Scholars refer to, they say that when you have knowledge in the second way, it's not that you have a picture of that thing in your mind. You can actually feel that thing, right? That thing is with you. Now, that's a philosophical discussion, but just for our purposes, that's the way we could refer to it. Sometimes you can feel something and it's with you. It's not that it's a separate being, right, and you just have a picture of it. It's not like that. No, no, you have that thing with you and a very good example of this is hunger. Right? Like when you feel hunger or you feel pain, it's not like the pain is somewhere else, right? And you just have a picture of it in your mind. No, when you're feeling the pain, the pain is right there with you. It's in other words, kind of like it's part of you. Okay? So They say that these are the two types of knowledge. Now, in in Islamic philosophy, they will actually have terminology for these two types of knowledge. They'll call the first one husuli knowledge. They'll call the second one hudhuri knowledge. But I don't want to get into the terminology. The terminology isn't what um, is important for us. It's important to understand the difference between these two, though. So now that we understand the difference between these two, Now we understand that line of the du'a. The du'a is saying, Oh Allah, we ask you by the right of your knowledge that encompasses everything. In other words, it's not that type of knowledge where that thing that you know of is somewhere else. You just have a picture in your mind of it. No, his existence is encompassing of what he knows. Right? So literally everything that he knows is with him is present with him is there with him the same way your pain and your hunger is there with you it's not some separate thing you, you you can swear that like i'm feeling pain it's right here with me right so it's two different types of knowledge really and the result of this is when you have the second type of knowledge you your existence is kind of connected to that thing that you know. Like I said, it's going to become part of you. Why is it like this for us and God? How come when God knows of something, he's like, he, that thing is pretty much connected to him? Whereas with us, it's not like that. Like when you know of your cousin and you picture one of your cousins in your mind right now, maybe your favorite cousin, right? Hopefully, by the time we're done with this episode, you'll be thinking of all of your cousins. (laughs) But um, if you think of your cousin, that person doesn't really become part of you. What's the difference? Why does it work? uh, Why is it that it works in this way for us? But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's of the different type. The one key difference is that He has created you and me, whereas you didn't create your cousin. That's the difference. When you create something, And you're the one that's giving existence to something, right? Then the natural effect of that is going to be what? Is that you feel connected to that thing. That thing is not even separate from you, technically speaking, right? Because you're the one who's giving existence to it. And because of that, you automatically have knowledge. But your knowledge is not the first type of knowledge no it's much much deeper it's the second type of knowledge right so to give you an analogy as i bring this episode to an end imagine if you were a painter right and you were painting like a uh, you were painting a painting right and sometimes when you paint this painting because you're the one who's creating this painting it is your understanding and your knowledge of that painting is extremely different from a person who just comes and sees it in an art gallery, right? The one who comes and sees it in an art gallery kind of has an understanding of it, but you as the painter, because you're the one who's creating it, oh, you know of every single corner of that painting, right? You even know the parts where you were drawing or you were painting and you made a mistake, right? And then you made it look like a masterpiece, (laughs) which happens quite often, actually, if you ask painters, right? You know of every, you knew which part you were supposed to do in a different way and then you change your mind. You know every thing, single thing about it. You know the very fabric of that painting. Why is that? Because you were the one who created that painting. So you see the difference there, how different your understanding is from the one who just comes and sees your painting in an art gallery? That's kind of like an example we could use, an analogy we could use to demonstrate the difference between the knowledge that we have towards different things and the knowledge that God has towards different things. Because He's the Creator, His knowledge is far deeper than that. He is th- The existence of those things are connected to Him. So His knowledge is much deeper than what we could ever have of these different uh, beings and creatures around us. So this is why in these du'as, and it's not just du'a and other du'as you will also find this, that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being spoken of in a different way that our knowledge is speaking is spoken of. So here Imam Ali is saying, we ask you by that knowledge of yours that encompasses everything. And now you understand, hopefully, why is it that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using that, uh, or Imam Ali is using that type of um, terminology there, right? And this is why you look in the verses of the Qur'an, the verses of the quran they say that there's no leaf that falls or no leaf that falls from the trees unless allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it habbatin fi ard or there's no seed that lies in the darkness of the earth except that god knows about it ولا ولا there's no wetness there's no moist or dryness right why is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aware of all the things because he's the one who created that wetness or that dryness so obviously, he has a connection with it. And when you have a connection, then obviously you know that thing way better than anyone else would possibly know of it. Inshallah, next episode, we're going to move on to the next line. And then, يَا يَا and uh, moving on from there, inshallah.